I uh, have not felt in the Christmas mood. Not yet. So yesterday, we, well, the tree's already been put up, but uh, we played Christmas music for the very first time in our house. We uh, wrapped some Christmas presents to try to get into the Christmas mood. It uh, didn't really work, though, i got to be honest with you. But today, that opening song, what a beautiful song, what a glorious night. It started setting me into the Christmas spirit this morning. So thank you for uh, leading me to the spirit of Christmas, which is Jesus. Who is, who is Jesus? In, in John chapter 1, verses 1 to 4, we are told that Jesus is the Word. That the Word was with God, that the Word was God. Jesus was at the beginning of everything. All of creation, everything, was made through him and by him. Jesus is God. This is the first mystery of Jesus that we solved last week during our kickoff sermon in the Advent series we're calling the mystery of Jesus. Now this week, we're going to continue to identify who Jesus is and seek to answer the question, why did he come to earth? So let's, let's pray together, shall we? Father God, Jesus, speak to us. Encourage us. Move us. We need to be chastised, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, would you do that? Just, we want to be different when we leave this place than when we arrive. And only you, Lord Jesus, can accomplish that. So thank you, God. In your name I do pray. Amen. The Gospel writer John, he approaches Christ's birth differently than all the other three Gospel writers. Uh, Matthew and, and Luke, they give lots of details about the birth of Jesus. Mark, for whatever reason, he just skips the whole, the whole thing and just jumps right into the action. But John, he steps behind the history, if you will, and he actually is providing us with heaven's story. He emphasizes the why of the manger, and not so much concerned about, about the where. If you, if you do have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 1, verses 6 to 13. We do have it up here. John chapter 1, verses 6 to, we're actually going to do 6 to 12. It says this, there came a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. There was the true light which, coming into the world, enlightens every man. He was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and 
those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. Why did Jesus, who is God, come to earth? Well, we see the answer right here in verse 12. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So why did Jesus come to earth, fully human and fully man, in the form of a baby born of a virgin birth to Mary and Joseph, two fully human, sinful parents? It was so that you and I, the entire world, all of humanity, would have the right to become children of God. It's that simple. Let's not make this more difficult than it needs to be. The goal of Jesus' birth was centered on the truth that you and I, the created, would come into relationship with Jesus, the creator. Those whom God created in his image. And remember, he called them very, very good. He called us very, very good. Those whom God created in his image would one day have the right to become children of God. All of Christmas, everything, ought to serve as a reminder for the reason behind the season. Now, the reason for the season is not eggnog. Yuck. Thank you. It's not a sparkly tree. It's not twinkling lights on that tree or on our houses. It's not cookies and oranges. It's not about gifts. But it is about a gift. The gift of Jesus Christ. And the gift Jesus brought with him at his birth. And that gift was that we would have the right to become children of God. Sherry and I were jetting down south long before COVID hit and masks and, and apps and all that thing had to be used to get from A to point B. We're going down, booked it online. Last time I do that, let me tell you. Well, maybe not. But I booked it online. We get to the airport. They have no record of us being on that flight. I have everything on my phone. I got the printout proof that, no, we, we bought tickets for this flight. And she said to us, <laughs> it's full. Sorry, we have no record. Showed her everything. She said, yeah, I, I clearly see that. She said, I'm not sure what I could do for you. Let me call our manager. Um, so in comes the manager, and they look at it like, oh, yeah, you bought tickets. We see that. Absolutely, yes. Uh-huh. There's no room for you. I'm like, that doesn't help us. We have holidays booked. We have hotels. We have, you know, packages that we purchased down south. And they're like, I, I don't know what we could do. So she went away. And then after a while, they came back to us and they said, well, listen, we're going to do this for you. We're going to give you two seats in first class. Now, oh, yeah, 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 sorry. I'm a pastor. Can't afford that. Can't do that. No, can't. They said, no, no, no. We're going to give you two seats in first class. Really? Yeah, yeah. 
anything to do with first class belongs to us, absolutely. You have all the rights as a first class passenger on this plane. Well then, all right, let's let this vacation begin. First thing you get is you get your own private rest area. Did you know that? They have comfortable seats. It's behind glass doors so nobody can get in unless you're a first class passenger. So we showed them our ticket and the big beefy guy let us in the door. These big brown comfy leather seats to sit down while you wait for your flight and they bring you drinks and food and they pamper you and someone's there waving a fan. Okay, maybe not that quite much, but you get the idea. Then they, someone comes around and they go, Mr. and Mrs. Krulik, your flight will be ready in about 20 minutes. Would you like to board first? Yes. So we get led to the plane with all the other first-class passengers because that's our right. I didn't earn that. It was just given to me. And we got on that plane and we sat down. Oh, man, you ever sit in a first-class seat? Oh, you got both arms can go on their arms rest. You don't have to share an armrest with nobody. It is beautiful. My wife was way over there. I could barely even touch her. It was going to be a good flight. It's just nice. You know, we had lots of room. And they come and they go, uh, would you like a hot towel to uh, freshen up? Yeah. So I get the towel and I wipe my face and my hands. And I didn't even have to share it with my wife. She got her own towel. It was just first class, baby. So that's good. So then they come around. They go, would you, um, would you like some, uh, some, what do they call it? Orange juice with alcohol in it. What do they call that? How do you know that? Yeah, you should know that. It's called a mimosa. Would you like a mimosa? Oh, yes, please. And then we're drinking these mimosas, and then they bring the alcohol because it's all free. I don't drink. I maybe, maybe have one alcohol beverage a year. I just don't like it. Well, let me tell you, drinks are free, first class. I'll take a beer. So I've got this nice, nice, beautiful head on the beer, and I'm sitting there, and I'm just relaxing in first class, and all these peasants, I mean, the other passengers are, are walking by. I was like, this is first class, man. I have all the rights of a first class passenger. And I didn't have to pay for it, for, for, for the upgrade. It, it was just given to me. It was awesome. And as I'm sipping that beer, in walks a couple from our church. And she looks down and she goes, Pastor Frank? What are you doing in first class? At a beer? Yeah. God has a sense of humor, let me tell you. You know, last week, in verse 4 and 5 of John chapter 1, we heard that in Jesus was life. And that the life was the light of men. And the light's goal was to shine in the darkness, to dispel the darkness. Jesus, who is the Word, who is God, is also the light of of humanity, and he has come to dispel the darkness that we live in. That was last week. This week, we continue and read in verse 6 that a man was sent from God, and he was to be a witness to testify about the light. And that man was John the Baptist. He was a, he was a cousin, a second or third or fourth cousin of Jesus. And in the Gospel of Matthew, John the Baptist is described as someone preaching repentance. He does it in the Judean desert, and, and he wore clothes made of camel's hair. Very itchy. Had a, had a leather belt around his waist. And his food was locusts and, and wild honey. Now, John the Baptist 
his message and ministry were, were, were very popular during his time. In Matthew 3, we're told, then the people of Jerusalem and all Judea were going out to him and all the region along the Jordan, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. So, so while John preached repentance and, and baptism for sin, his other message was to proclaim the message that someone is coming soon who is greater than I. So much greater that I'm not even worthy to stoop down like a slave and untie the straps of his sandals. Now, now John was referring to Jesus and taught to all who would listen that Jesus was the long-awaited Messiah, the one who would rescue all of Israel. Well, how did John the Baptist know this? Well, as unique as Jesus' birth was, John too had a special birth. His, his parents were well beyond a childbearing age. Nonetheless, an angel appeared to his father, Zechariah. You can read all about this in Luke chapter 1. And the angel informed Zechariah that he and his wife, Elizabeth, um, would be pregnant and would soon deliver a baby boy. So let's read Luke 1, verses 15 to 17. It's the angel speaking, For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and he will drink no wine or liquor, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit while yet in his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the sons of Israel back to the Lord their God. One more. It is he who will go as a forerunner before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the disobedient to the attitude of the righteous so as to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. As far as we understand, John has been the only natural-born child to already possess the Holy Spirit while he's in the womb. Usually, the Holy Spirit comes upon conversion. Once you become a Christian, the Holy Spirit resides upon us. He comes in power, we are told in the book of Acts. But here, as a baby in the womb, John the Baptist already possesses the Holy Spirit. Told you, special birth here. And his mission was to be a forerunner, an advanced man, if you will, for Jesus, to prepare the people for the coming Messiah. A Messiah who would bring with him a gift for humanity, the right to become children of God. A right that is not earned, but is given, like me, in first class. I didn't earn that. I was given that right. Now let's jump back to our John passage in chapter 1, verse 7. We're told that John the Baptist was to be a witness, to testify about the light. And the light, of course, remember, is Jesus. It will be because of John's testimony that humanity begins to believe in Jesus as Messiah. Not all. Not all believe, but some. And the gospel writer in verse 8 makes sure the reader understands that John the Baptist was not the light, but that he simply came to testify about the light. In verse 9, John, the gospel writer, refers to Jesus as the true 
the true light. And that he came into the world to enlighten all manner or all of humanity. So Jesus is referred to light because of what light does. It both reveals and dispels what's hidden in the dark. The book of Romans in our scriptures explains that not knowing God is having darkened, sorry, explains that not knowing God is like having darkened hearts. Matthew compares darkness to committing evil deeds. Ephesians warns us to have nothing to do with deeds of darkness. And Corinthians explains that to live apart from the light is to live in darkness. Listen, here's the rub. Write this down. Darkness, bad. Light, good. Got it? Excellent. Let's keep going. So when Jesus is born, the light begins to dispel the darkness. Wherever Jesus went was light. Darkness could not stand to be in the present presence of light. Now here's something interesting about light, the concept of light. Moths and other bugs are drawn to light even though they were conditioned, created to live in darkness. Experts, I guess scientists, bug, bug scientists, they don't really know why moths and bugs are really attracted to light. They have a lot of guesses, but they don't know for sure. But one thing that they all agree on, and this I don't want you to miss, they all agree on this, that the light disrupts a moth's normal behavior. And that is exactly what the light, what Jesus came to earth to do, to disrupt our normal, sinful behavior that's done in the dark. So that one day, we might accept the gift of Jesus and receive the right to become children we're told in verses 10 and 11 that Jesus, the light, came into the world he created, yet the world did not know him. They did not believe in him. We have to wonder why. Why, why did that happen? Well, in John chapter 3, verses 19 to 20, we get a picture of why that might be. He says, this is the judgment that the light has come into the world and men loved the darkness rather than the light, for their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. They did not want their normal behavior to be disrupted by the light of Jesus. Humanity loved living in the dark because they were addicted to evil. Humanity wasn't prepared to have its evil deeds exposed, so they chose to hate the light. The light even went to his very own people, the Israelites, the people he had an earthly birth into, and they too rejected him. Despite John testifying to the truth of the light, humanity loved its evil and its evil deeds more 
Just as sin came into the world through one man, all have sinned, and the wages of sin is death. But here's the kicker to that problem. This is, this is where we bring it home. Verse 12. But as many as received him. So despite the sin and the evil deeds and the wages of sin being death, that's what we deserve. Besides, besides all of that, for as many as received him, whoever is willing to walk in light and receive Jesus, to those who believe in his name, that Jesus is both the word and the light, that the life was the light, that Jesus was and is God fully divine. To them, and to only them, he gave the right to become children of God. Don't miss this. If you miss this, you miss the truth behind the sermon. If you miss this, you miss the truth behind Christmas. All of humanity, the entire world, has been given a gift. And that gift is life. Eternal life. It is a gift given to us by Jesus Christ who, though he was God, did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. His simple manger birth led to his gruesome death on a cross. Philippians 2 verse 8, when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and he died a criminal's death on a cross. So yes, Jesus was born to die. And he died so we might live. You don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. There's nothing we could do to deserve that. It is a right that he gives to us that we might live as children of God. And like all gifts that are given, we must first receive them. Imagine me. I'm in the airport. They provide me a solution to my travel difficulty. Sir, we have no room for you, but we can give you first-class tickets. I don't want to pay for it. No, you don't have to pay for it. We're going to give it to you. And I say to them, no, thank you. I'll wait for the next ride. Or no, thank you. I'll just go home and just forget the whole thing. No, I didn't. I took it. I received it. I was happy to have the right to ride in first class. To receive Christ is the opposite of not knowing him and rejecting him. When you receive Christ, when you accept the gift of Christ, it means you welcome him into your life. Believing in his name means that you stop relying on your own merits and works as the way to approach God. And instead, you rely totally on what Jesus did for you on the cross. It means that when you stand before God, your only hope for heaven is not your good works, but rather that Jesus died for your sins and you're trusting in him alone. My only hope to get to my vacation destination was to receive the first-class tickets. And I did so joyfully and gladly. 
Yet when it comes to Jesus, when we're told he's the only hope that we have to receive the proper destination we are due, which is heaven, why is it that we say no? But we say wait, or I'll work it out myself. The gift is right there. You have to receive it. When we leave the dark nature of our lives and walk into the true light, both receiving the gift and believing in the name of the gift, and the name of the gift is Jesus, to those are given the right, the right to become called a child of God. And with that right comes all the great and wonderful blessings that come with belonging to the family of God. Forgiveness of sin. Heaven as your inheritance. Eternal life as a reward. Joint heirs with Jesus as our chief duty. Community with God as a benefit. To be a child of God is to be a child of a king. The king of kings. The king of heaven and of earth. So who's Jesus? He's the word become flesh. Fully God, fully human. He is the light in whom resides all of life. Eternal life. He is the gift giver who is waiting for his creation to come and receive him who is our creator. So I guess Christmas is about gifts and lights. Just not the gifts or lights we traditionally think about when we speak of Christmas. That's the mystery. That's the mystery. I tried to get into the Christmas spirit yesterday by wrapping presents and singing Christmas songs. That wasn't the point behind Christmas. It's Jesus. Jesus is the gift. That he is the light. And we need to receive him and believe in his name in order to receive the right to be called a child of God. And a child of God inherits heaven. Wouldn't you like heaven? Wouldn't you like to know for a fact that heaven is your home? I'm going to ask the worship team to come back here and close out with a song. If you have not ever received Jesus, you've never believed in his name, and you're not sure whether heaven is going to be your home when your life on this ball of mud is done, then Pastor Mike or I or Pastor Elijah, we would like to speak with you today. The person next to you probably would love to speak to you because heaven is a prayer away. It's a gift. You just have to receive it. You just have to reach out and say, yes, I'll take it. And we'd love to lead you to how to do that. It's very simple. It's not as difficult as other people make it out to be. It's, 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 it's a simple prayer away. For those of us who have already received that gift, we know that we are children of God. Can I hear an amen? Excellent. Glad to hear it. You know what? There's always been a witness left behind to the light. God has never left an entire generation without a witness to the light. We talked about John the Baptist being the witness to the light. Well, there's, there's a bunch of witnesses here to that light. 
Acts 13, 47, we are told, For so the Lord has commanded us, I have placed you. He's talking about those who have already received and believed in the name of Jesus. And they are children of God. He's talking to us. I have placed you as a light for the world, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. We are the witnesses to the light that is here today. We need to be leveraging Christmas for God's glory. Celebrate, decorate, wrap presents, sing songs, do what you normally do. But at some point, hopefully more than just one point, you will live and choose to be that witness to the light that you will share Christmas and the true story of who Jesus is with someone who needs to hear that story. We're going to close with a great song. It's one of my favorite Christmas carols. It's called Go Tell on the Mountain. And it's all about us being witnesses to the light. So let's stand and let's sing this together. We have two opportunities for you to go tell it to the mountains that Jesus Christ is born. Uh, we have the grace bombs that you continue to do, that you are dispensing grace to those around you in, in very simple but yet very meaningful ways. By the way, this week, Lord willing, we're going to have a special uh, send-out flyer via email. If you're on our um, email list, you'll get it. And it's all the different ways people have been grace bombing our community. And what a blessing. And it'll be a blessing to read it. So watch out for that in your mailboxes. If you don't have, if, you have, if we don't have your email for that, let um, Abigail know at the, at the back desk today so you can receive that. This, the second way you could go be the witness to the light is by showing up and participating on December 23rd. That's why we're doing the live nativity. It's not for our own sake and glorification. It's so that we can share the story of Jesus. We're just reading scripture. No other words, just scripture. Four times that night, telling the story of Jesus, being witnesses to the light. So if you haven't volunteered yet, you haven't thought about volunteering, again, there's lists at the table. Go back, sign up. And if you can't sign up, then make sure you show up. And if you show up, don't come alone. Bring someone who needs to hear the story of Jesus. Go and be my disciples, Jesus said. Witnessing to all ends of the earth. And Lloyd Minster certainly was a part of that call. God bless you all. Have a great week. You're dismissed. <laughs>